Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza here to open up the subscriber mailbag here. Joining me is Chris Anderson. Chris, it's almost like Saturday didn't happen in the fact that everybody is very much looking forward to the coming Saturday against Pitt. And it's also like Saturday did happen and must now really matter going forward because we have all these new stars on offense and we have persisting issues on defense, which is which here. I have no idea if Saturday was real or an illusion. I don't know, but going through our mailbag, you would think literally only two things happened on Saturday. Um, One was Hudson Clement was amazing, which he was. And West Virginia has no other receivers. And West Virginia secondary is the worst secondary in college football since 2012. West Virginia secondary? I'm not sure. But uh, let's put it this way. When we get to these questions here in a moment, about half of the mailbag was about why the secondary stinks and why the wide receivers stink. So prepare thyself. Okay. Um, not gonna lie to you. I woke up and had a look at the questions and was like, oh yeah. And I don't know if I dreamed it or not. Maybe that was real. Maybe that was a mirage, but I could just kind of see these questions coming in these two specific natures that were going to field them here. Look, we'll talk plenty about Pitt coming up here in the days to follow. News conference today, head coach, coordinators, a handful of players. Plenty to talk about the Panthers, I'm sure. Not too much about the Dukes. I don't know how much more I want to talk about Saturday night. I think I'd rather talk about the first two games and the game coming up. So what do you say we dive right in? Let's do it. Let's let's start with the secondary again. We're going to kind of lump in several questions because I think I one two three four five six seven eight nine. I got here kind of lumped together about basically why does the secondary stink? What's going on? Um, I want to cherry pick a couple angles from these questions. Um, the first, well, let, first let's start like in general because I think it, this is something you you and I discussed last week, but. Is this an issue of scheme, personnel, or both? What is a possible answer other than, quote, just cover better? Well, you change parts. We talked about the limitations there. You know, can you roll in different corners? Sure, but they just don't have them. And same thing with the safeties. So is it talent on their side? Maybe is it talent on the other side? There's a big difference between Penn State and Duquesne. The issues, there was not a big difference. So that's concerning. Um I'm never sure, Chris, is it Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's? Because it seems like that's an answer or 
a logic that you can bend around the problem or the solution. And everybody's just got to have players. So it would be that simple. And that means, okay, they didn't recruit or hit the portal well enough. And, and Neil Brown with a really telling statement about how they thought they went out and got veterans to fix a secondary. That hasn't happened through two games. And back to the drawing board. We know the personnel limitations, and I don't think you're drawing stick figures on the drawing on the on the drawing board here. So you're probably looking at scheme here or some type of fixes there. They might be trying something that isn't working, or did they get so simple in the offseason that it's simple for the other team? Absent the knowledge of what they're actually calling and you know what the what the actual design of the play is, it's really hard to critique and say they got to change this because it's not working. But you can watch it, and it certainly looks like they're in like on a cover three, which is just like you know typically your two corners and your deep safety are going to drop. So your corners and your your free safety are going to drop, but that's a very common defense. And like I, I guarantee you, at quarterbacks at any level and receivers at any level are going to know that you're going to have deep outside defenders, you're going to have a deep middle defender, they're going to cover the thirds. You're going to have a safety who covers the flat and the curl routes. You're going to have an outside defender who covers the flats and the curl routes. You're going to have linebackers who do the hooks and the curls in the middle of the field. And if you're just, if you're, you can run around that stuff, you can use crossing patterns, you can use posts, you can do things like that because it's a fairly simple defense. It could be effective if you've got players who can make it work. And you're just watching West Virginia not aware enough in its thirds or covering, you know, again, the, the curls and the flats or the hooks and the curls, it's like just doing their thing and not entirely aware of the surrounding. And, and that just might be the person not good at it. It might be that they need more time, but you just see people who are, are very good at what they're doing, but maybe not very good at the entire assignment on defense. And then if you're too cautious in a zone, um, if you're too soft, and a guy catches it and runs away from you, you better be fast enough to catch him or quick enough to react. And that certainly seems like that's not where it needs to be for them right now. Yeah, I think one of the things that's sticking out to me is here is you're running this cover three, like you said. A lot a lot of what West Virginia running is that cover three, which is, I don't want to say it's, it's not like a prevent defense, but it is supposed to kind of take away the deep pass and what's happening you know teams are getting big huge chunk plays on these in these passing games uh and we saw on the Penn State game where Penn State receivers are getting behind West Virginia's defense how do you get behind a cover three defense I'm not entirely sure but that's a concern and that's you know you go back to the Jimmy's and Joe's X's and O's thing I've always been uh, uh, hey, Jimmy's and Joe's thing. I don't want to take anything away from coaches, but a lot of it is Jimmy's and Joe's. The, the X's and O's get a lot easier when your Jimmy's are better than your their Joe's. I can tell you that. Um, but it, Neil Brown said it himself after week one, Penn State game. Said they were simply just too far off and they were going to have to get tighter. And I think this brings us around to another point here. I don't think we were going to get an answer this week. No matter what, there was a reason I did not include this in three key matchups. And Neil Brown, I, I believe, alluded to it after the Duquesne game. But the tweaks and the changes that Neil Brad said, Neil Brown said were coming. Again, he said, you know, we got to get tighter in coverage in the secondary. They weren't going to do that against Duquesne. Like if they're making changes to the defense, they're not going to put it on film against a team they're supposed to be by forty before they play Pitt. Okay, like they, yes, they probably should have been doing tighter coverage against Penn State, 
But again, they've already said, you know, that their game plan was to shut down the run and try to make um, Penn State beat them through the passing game. And they just did. They simply put, Penn State did. But then they're going to tighten it up moving forward. And you're, but you're not going to tighten it up against Duquesne. You're going to save that and use it against Pitt and then go forward from there. So I'm not saying I'm giving this secondary a pass yet. I mean, you'll see my position group power rankings on Wednesday. Cornerbacks and safeties are still ninth and 10th on the list, and they are so far back at ninth and 10th. Well, with eighth as well. Um, it's kind of those bottom three are so far back. I won't tell you number eight just yet because we'll get there, but they're so far behind everything else on this team. I don't know if it can get fixed on the fly right now. I'm with you on, on what we saw against Duquesne. I just thought it was a very simple defense and it was catching run stuff too. And, and like they're, it's a, it's a zone. It's a, it's a cover three is a zone. Like you're going to have three guys and you're going to have four underneath defenders. And, and again, the scheme, I don't think is so much of an issue. I think a lot of it's personnel stuff and it's not just like that. They might look slow or uncertain or they're not fast enough to catch up with or, or track down receivers. That's part of it, I guess. And then your zone is not going to be that good. Your cover three is not going to be that good. And maybe they are, maybe they need to be a bit more aggressive, but like, I'm, I'm, I've got to think that somewhere they're saying, Hey, it's third and nine. Don't be 12 yards off the ball and maintain that cushion. Like sooner or later, a player has to know that just has to. And like, you can watch this too. You know, it's a third down play and the quarterback is on the left hash, which means that the corner back on the other side, on the far side of the field, he's going to be back because that's a long throw from one hash to the other outside. And you you see guys drop back on that a lot because they should be able to react and close that opening if a quarterback does, in fact, get there. And a couple of times now in two games, you've seen a quarterback get back there and make that throw with a lot of room. And that's just, that's not how it's coached. It's not how it's coached. And it shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't happen again and again and again. But players kind of have to know what they're supposed to do in those situations and have to be, you know, one, it's one thing to be like football savvy enough to not allow that cushion to be there, but then you got to be quick enough to close it and, and know when and know how. And that that just seems to be an issue right now. But again, like, that, you know, it, it was a Beanie Bishop thing, for example. That guy's played a lot of football. He knows how to do it. But like, did, did the light just go off there? Maybe. And then a couple minutes later, he makes a great play in an interception. Like the same guy, the same side of the field, the same receiver, the same quarterback. And you have those two moments there. Um it can get a lot better because it's not great right now. It can get a lot better too, because I just don't think that I don't think it's like being spun the wrong way. It's not being taught the wrong way. And they have to unravel it, break bad habits and create new ones. Maybe that's optimistic. Don't get me wrong. It hasn't been very good. I don't think it's going to become a top 10 secondary, but a lot of room to get better here. And it just seems like the, the mistakes are so apparent and players know better. And certainly coaches are not going to let them off the hook on that. Not top top 10. In the Big 12, maybe? That's what I meant, yeah. Is that, is that possible? Okay. Um, oh, Nash uh, Again, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other questions, again, a lot of people asking about this, different different angles, and one of the other angles was from Crowtown Ear here. How does Shadon Brown, cornerbacks coach, secondary coach, still have a job? The corners have regressed every year since he came to WVU, and the talent we did have left under his watch. I mean, it's a good question. Um, Delicate thing for you and I, Chris. Uh, it, I just I don't like advocating for for coaches to lose their job. Sometimes you can tell that it's a situation that it might be time for a change, and and sometimes you need a new voice. I don't know where that's at yet. They just um, there are some things that have to clean up, and I would think right now that everything is certainly going to be evaluated because everything is certainly being evaluated, and you can't see this and go, "We'll get to that later." It's a primary concern for them right now. 
how does he still have his job? I don't know. I mean, that's that's not for me, but like I'm assuming that he's trusted to do it, and he's also the co-coordinator. He coaches the entire secondary, so he he does have that trust, but he's also the co-coordinator and coaches the entire secondary. He has to do something with that trust, so that's going to be something to watch for sure because you need you have to have a voice that says something, and that voice is inside the helmet on the field the entire time. You can't forget things. You can't be allowed to you know, forget this, ignore that, abandon something that's, you know, critical to what you're doing on defense. And I'm not saying it's happening, but like if it gets to that situation, that's when you make a change. Uh, but maybe that is happening. Maybe players are tuning out. Maybe they're not taking all the instruction, all the coaching that they should. And that's why you have letdowns like that. That's an evaluation that has to happen. It just has to. Um, you might see different ideas. You might see changes um, without actually like a personnel title, you know, like, oh, we we made this change, whatever. That's not uncommon in college because it can freak people out. It can make situations look bad. Um, but you might also see a news release after I give up 500 yards passing to Phil Jerkovic, and they say West Virginia makes a change in defensive coordinator or defensive co-coordinator. You know, you might see that, but uh, it's bad. It would have to get worse, I think. Um, it seems very early to make a change like that. But, I mean, let's be honest. Everything is on the table here, too. And if, if one coach or one aspect of the team suffers, sometimes someone's got to pay. Right, let me counter that. It is everything on the table, though. Better be, right? If, well, if you're Neil Brown, right, I think we all agree, like, this is this is the make-or-break year, right? Like, if, if things don't go right, that's it. Are we in agreement on that? Hmm. <laughs> There's levels to <laughs> okay. this, but, yeah, like, if, if this is, if this is a, a fiery uh, car wreck, then, yeah, they're going to make a change for sure. Okay. So... If this is your, you know, this is your last stand, this is your Alamo, you have to get this right. Firing your secondary coach and your corners coach halfway through the season, partly through the season, and then what, putting it in the hands of a GA to coach that position? Or are you calling Jeff Castile off the sidelines? You know, we're out of the wherever he's at right now to, to coach somewhere in that secondary. How is that going to help? Because I hate to say that, you know, if if you're Neil Brown, you're kind of taking this short-sighted win-now approach. How is it going to help you win now, this year, in the next few games, by firing your cornerbacks coach? mid-season I think that's going to set you back at that position or maybe keep it as is or worse I'm not sure and and it's going to make it harder to win now you know maybe this were year two year one insert your COVID year zero jokes now Mm -hmm. uh everybody that's listening oh see somebody tried to chime in with a COVID joke right there um or a year zero joke not a COVID joke but I just feel like it's going to make it harder because I think the main objective right now is to get as many wins as possible this year to save your job and firing a coach like as a, as a position as important as that at this point, mid season will not help you accomplish that goal. I don't think just again, this is not a cop out, but just absent details. I don't know. Like if there's, if there's conflict, like for example, if you know, they're on, if they're on Shadon Brown to like do a better job matching verticals and releases. Right. And instead you're seeing 
those cushions there. And it's just the thing like, I don't want to do that. Well, you need to do that. Well, I don't want to. Well, then that would be kind of toxic and you make a change there. If there's some dispute there like, hey, we keep asking for better this and you're giving us that because you're not doing what we want you to do. That's from the defensive coordinator, head coach, whatever. If there's a conflict like that, of which I'm not aware of one, but that would be certainly a change for there. If players are tuning out and rolling their eyes on the corner coach in film and practice or whatever, that's where you need the new voice. So there could be things like that, Chris, where, yeah, does it make you better right away? Because you might still have the same problems. You might still have a bad scheme. You might still have players who aren't quick enough, fast enough. Sure, but you can't let them tune out the idea. So there, there's different things there. It might make you better. Uh, number one. Number two, if, if you allow um, kind of a, a combustible situation to eventually combust, you're not doing anything for the now, and you're certainly not doing anything for the later. Like if this becomes a, a culture kind of a thing where, the secondary is a punchline for the next 10 weeks. How is that going to be good for next year? Because you are likely to lose players to the portal or to not come back, or you might have coaches who leave. You might have recruits who go, no, this looks really bad. I don't want to be like, I don't need the Benny Hill soundtrack on my huddle highlights, right? That that could be a situation where it doesn't work right now, but it does work better. But again, the overriding thing here is that tomorrow is not guaranteed and today really matters. So that's a, that's a very, very fine line here about, and they're going to have to navigate it. And this is a situation that maybe to be fixed, you can't be delicate. Maybe you have to grab it and shake it and get everybody's attention with something, which could, could create some sort of a, a, a significant reaction to something that does go bad in the next game, the next weeks, who knows. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yeah, I guess if things are almost literally rock bottom at that position, you almost take a stance of how could it get worse? And and then you make changes. Like There's only one way to go, and that's up. Are we at that point yet? I don't know. I mean, like, and they'll do these things quietly. Like last year, we did not know that they pretty much changed the offensive coordinator. They never told us, right? But we kind of knew, and that like we later heard that Graham wasn't calling the offense anymore. Um, obviously, Kirk Soraka got involved in the offense a couple of years ago, and they went out of their way to disguise that to like the point that someone actually called me and told me what happened just so like we weren't going to look stupid reporting about it. Um, th- they'll do these things sometimes very subtly and make changes too. So you might not have a, 
you might not have a uh, smoke from the Vatican, so to speak, or maybe you will, depending on the color of the smoke, I guess, but poor analogy. You might not have an official proclamation, but you might see change in, in some capacity. Which leads me to the next question. Again, we're still on secondary, folks. Um, from West Virginia Nomad 7, he says, I keep going back to the decision to make Jordan Leslie the defensive coordinator over Jamila Dye is the one as the one decision where the fate of the program crumbled. And that's drastic. Um, I know the offense has been a hot mess, but our secondary steady decline since then has me wondering, what say you? There's a lot to that story, man. There's just a lot to that story. And remember, the one was the front coordinator and one was the back coordinator. The oh, yeah. That was very, again, they sometimes you just try too hard in this. But um, in hindsight, you might you might be able to do that. They did not have hindsight on their side right there. If they kick that one, yeah, man, that's a problem for sure. Like, But are we sure that Jamal Adai, who has bounced around a bit since then, has recruited at a high level, but... Um, I don't I don't think that you give the national championship at Georgia to him that we wanted, but like um was it because of him? Probably not. Did he help? Sure. But like now he's at Miami and, and you know Miami's okay, fine, beat Texas Tech. A and M, that's fine, but like he's gotten some corners there too. It's hard to say. Um it's easy to sit here now and say they could have fixed the secondary by having Jamal Adai run the defense. Um, Adai hadn't been really in that position before. He really prepared himself and he wanted to, but he hasn't gotten that opportunity since then. I'm assuming he still wants to be a coordinator somewhere, but he hasn't done it yet. So is everybody wrong everywhere? Like it's, it's a hard conversation to have. I think, again, you could do it. It's very convenient. It's also possible that West Virginia got that one wrong. It's entirely possible. I can't argue that. Um, that was a really complex situation with a lot of things going on at that time. And uh, that was not the most harmonious staff at the time. There was some stuff going on, obviously, off the field at that time with, you know, some of the the Kerry Martin stuff, some of the Vic Koenig stuff. It was just a, a pretty unusual and, and unique time. And sometimes it's hard to make the right decision. And sometimes it's hard to say that the decision you made was right. It's very easy to step back years later and say, boy, they really got that one wrong. That one had a lot. I want to say that one maybe had more to do with uh, relationships and social kind of stuff. Not, not social, like going out, but social skills, just how, how how you kind of jived with everybody else on the staff and in the program than it did with actual results on the field. And like you said, kind of look look at Adai's career. Um you know, he's been a defensive backs coach for a decade, a very, a very good one, but never promoted to defensive coordinator, except for that co-defensive coordinator, you know, after Tony got fired last minute and they had to do the combo thing that you mentioned. And then he leaves West Virginia, goes to Georgia, um, step up there uh, with, especially with their success recently, and then takes a step back going to Miami for the same job. Um, and I believe I'm trying to look it up right now, but similar or less pay. Like that's, that's a strange step. You know, it, when, when guys are moving up, you think they're moving up, they're going to take coordinator jobs, but he's bounced around and it's always been one, maybe two years at each place. And it's never been the coordinator spot. And most recently he took a step back and it, 
again, you can't, maybe you ask why that's happening instead of saying, you know, West Virginia screwed that one up because maybe they did. We don't really know, but there has to be something to that as well. And what, and a dies, you know, job career. Was there any other angle from the uh, secondary stuff here that, I don't know. I think this covered everything on the secondary. Was there anything else you wanted to add into that? Yeah, just there's not a magic wand here. It's too late to put in a new scheme. They're going to be cover three. They're going to have to find the right, the right tactics. They're going to have to be better about the stuff that's pretty simple. Easy for me to say. I'm not playing out there in front of fifty thousand or hundred thousand people, but football players are kind of programmed to do this stuff and to react and not really be um, victims of their surroundings. So they should be able to pull that stuff out. And it's just, it's not working right now too. Some of it's going to be experience. Um, but like, they're going to have to probably ride with two corners for as long as they can, which is what they're doing. So which two now, um, you know, people have not been happy with Malachi Ruffin in the past. Now people want to play Malachi Ruffin. People wanted to play Andrew Wilson Lamp for a long, long time. Now they're playing him and it's not working out. You wanted the transfer portal, but you know, Brown said that, you know, the transfer portal didn't help him. They're missing Montre Miller and, and, He's not going to be back for a while. It's it's very thin right there right now. They're not going to put – there's no Hudson Clement out there, which probably transitioned us here. There's no Hudson Clement there at corner that's going to play and be a difference maker right now. And that's kind of sobering, I think. And they don't have great safety play behind them. And that's not going to make you feel better about either aspect right now. It's, it's going to be a slog for them to get better. And there might be some, like, really nail-biting white-knuckle moments there, but – that might be what they're going to have to do, just kind of slug their way through this and, and just fight and fight and swing and swing until they, they knock somebody down or they win a round or win a couple rounds and, and figure this thing out. All right. You said his name, Hudson Clement, which leads to another third of the questions for the mailbag this week. Uh, my job's going to be easy when we get to the writing part of this. Um, I don't know. In general, the feeling is from many of these questions, essentially – why is it that West Virginia's two best receivers are walk-ons from West Virginia and not the loads of transfers added or high-rated scholarship players that came to campus? Mike, you're first. One of it is that Devin Carter and Traylon Ray didn't play. Those are your two guys on the side where Hudson Clement plays. If one of them or both of them are available, you don't have the Hudson Clement game. You don't. So that's that's how fickle this is sometimes, too. Um, and again, the two, the the top transfer and the guy who's the best receiver in the recruiting class didn't play. Of course, it's not going to look good. That's going to push people in to play. And, you know, let's let's be honest here. They they really wanted Cortez Bram to be a guy this year. Um, spoke up his his offseason in legendary form. They said, I really think he's going to make a leap this year. It happens in the second year. It does. It hasn't. It just isn't there. It doesn't mean it won't, though. Like, it's sometimes it comes slower for some people. Like, he's not going to turn a Kevin White corner, it appears. That's okay. Um, he's not going to be, you know, the the no doubt about it. Like, like second year light goes on. Like, uh, Austin, for example. Um, Mario Offord, I'm sorry. Um, it just clicked. It didn't. They wanted to. It didn't. So, like, that's 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 the, 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 the break, I guess. Jeremiah Aaron, same thing. And you know, Ja'Shawn Polk was hurt. He just got out there. That's going to take him time. I don't think they thought Noah Massey was going to be a starter or like an impact player, but he's slow to the to the start line right now. It's it's not what they want it to be, but a lot of it is that they were thin to begin with. 
you bring in guys to replace people, but if those guys aren't good enough, then you're going back to the people that you were seeking to replace, which was the problem or the concern in the first place. And then their two best guys didn't play. So like that's that's a hard lens to look through there, but that's kind of the reality for me. It, it looks better if Carter and Ray out there, but you also probably don't get Clement. And then they just don't have the answers that some spots yet that they thought they were going to have, which is why they went to the portal. And West Virginia just kind of probably fishes from a different pond in the transfer portal. It's the reality there, but that's the harsh. They got to get it right. That's not been their strength for a while. Um, so now, yeah, you're going to have to put guys like Preston Fox out there, but people have been waiting for Preston Fox to play for a long time. And now he's getting that chance and that's not good enough. Question mark. Um, a lot of people just kind of arguing and, and, and postulating in different directions here, sometimes against themselves, um, separated by time. It's not logic. And you kind of get spun up in a situation like this. But if you step back, still early for Gallagher, no Carter, no Ray. And, you know, are you really riding into the Big 12 with Preston Fox and Hudson Clement starting and playing heavy minutes? Well, they're about to. But that's not what you drew up when spring football or preseason football started. Um, are you sure you want that right now? We'll probably find out, right? Yeah, I don't think this is, you know, if you're asking me, here you go, over, under, Hudson Clement receiving touchdowns the remainder of the year. He had three on Saturday, over under three for the remainder of the year. I, I, I kind of feel like over, <laughs> but like, oh, really? Oh, I, I, I just kind of going under. I, I think it's going to come back down to earth and you're going to sure. revert back to Devin Carter. And I mean, yeah, I get it. I'm not, uh, he's, I'm saying he's essentially going to turn into a five to 10 snaps a game kind of guy moving forward. Well, I don't know about that. I think he's a solution to a problem, too, because he can play either outside position, they've said, and certainly Carter can. Um, he needs to play. You can't not play him, uh, but he needs to play it. And he's been more productive than Bram and Aaron on the other side. So he needs to be ahead of them in line. He needs to. And I think the trust is that he can be good enough to just do what he wants to do. And, and it, it looks like Green really trusts him, like really trusts him. So I would not be surprised if he does some stuff on RPOs in the goal line. I'm not saying he's going to blow by cornerbacks and – take advantage of busted coverages, but I think he's going to be getting snapped or he can get you three more touchdowns. Uh, Mike, I, I would just like to say that both you and I are only one catch behind Cortez Bram and Jeremiah Aaron on receptions for the season. So, yeah, it's not good. It's not great. Um, Real quick before we move on to something else, I was looking it up as you were talking just a minute ago uh, on my Jamila Die thing. I was just making sure I wasn't being too harsh on it, but in Arizona, there was some coaching changes going on, and I think the year after he left was when they made the a change at defensive coordinator. Minnesota, they made a change at defensive coordinator, passed on him. West Virginia made a change at defensive coordinator. Passed on him. Georgia made a change at defensive coordinator. Passed on him. So WVU is not alone in this. Okay. So just, just throwing that out there. Fair enough. For anybody else that was still on that or thinking about that or thinking I was being too harsh with what I said earlier. Um, moving on to. Oh boy. Speaking of too harsh, I'll bring the lighter side to this one, but Yidio 10 asks, how bad do things have to go on Saturday for Neil Brown to be fired the next day? And I would like to counter with how well do things have to go for the fan base or the majority of the fan base to convert 
to optimism, I guess is how I want to phrase it. So what what are the scenarios here where we wake up Sunday morning and everything has changed one way or the other, Mike? Blowout. That's my answer. Like there, it has to be a blowout where uh, Pitt comes to town and blows West Virginia off the field, and you say there is no coming back from this. There shouldn't be an embarrassment like that at home. There shouldn't be a gap between these two teams that's so significant. There shouldn't be another opportunity for this coach and the staff. And that's the only way I can see them breaking free right now. Um, conversely, how do people feel better about it? Probably the same way. Hey, there's a big gap between West Virginia and Pitt. There was an embarrassing game at Mountaineer Field, and golly, West Virginia was on the right side of bowl. And people would be like, you know what? That's progress that we've been looking for. Let's go get Texas Tech for the first time. People would feel a lot better about that. If it's if it's a, a 21 to 17 loss, people are going to be down more than now or down more than they were after, you know, maybe the pick game last year, the Penn State game this year. Similar moments that are, you know, perhaps launching points for Brown, but they're going to be like, that's just kind of who and what this is right now. And it's going to take something bigger than this to change it. People, I think, would understand that. Maybe not accept it, but they understand that. And if West Virginia happens to win, I don't know, 27-21, well, that's the same score that Cincinnati beat Pitt by last week. And people are going to be that excited about that and say that the world is different and this is their guy for the future. Let's give this a year one reboot right now. No, that's not going to happen. So what you haven't seen is what you want, um, one way or the other. Like West Virginia blows out Pitt. You're like, okay, okay. That's different. I like the way this tastes. I like the way this looks. I like the way this feels. Let's get more of that because it would make people think that maybe something is on the way. It would validate some of the, think we're a good team. We happen to run into Penn State. Some of that chatter would be validated. And conversely, they get blown out. Um, You know what? That's not new, but you're not supposed to see that. And then if you don't want to see any more of it, maybe you won't. Hate it when it's the last question and we fully agree with each other. Because, yeah, I think... A close loss. The fans will be wildly upset, but I don't think the administration is going to do anything about it. Close win, and everybody will be happy, but it'll still be a lot of nitpicking going on, and no one will really be sold, I don't think, on this being the right answer, maybe, like at least the people who are upset right now. So, yeah, I'm with you. Like It, it would have to be an embarrassing blowout loss on national television and it might, you know, he might be the first coach fired for for the 2023 season. Um, and but a blowout win, East Lance uh, might have something to say about that. <laughs> uh, te- technically, technically, yeah, okay, suspended. Because uh-huh. did, did you like how they did that? By the way, a little side sidebar. You suspend your coach during an investigation, and your players can't transfer. Because that window, that 30-day transfer window doesn't open. Because he's wow. fired. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Should, should, no, I won't go there. Wow, okay. okay. He almost did. I almost did. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I'm with you. Like, you know, a blowout win. And I think even some of the detractors, uh, the Neil Brown detractors would say, okay, you know what? You know what makes me happy? Beating Pitt mm-hmm. 56 to 20. Like that, that makes me happy. Um, so I think that's, that's, I'm with you 100%. It's got to be a blowout one way or the other. Do they have that gear? And, and could they get blown out? Like, does, does either outcome exist? 
Um, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure Pitt has that gear to blow out West Virginia. Not, I don't think West Virginia has that gear to blow out Pitt. So I don't think either scenario is going to happen on Saturday. Hmm. Yeah, I had to go. Like, I had to watch the uh, Cincinnati pick game, but I just kind of heard it was very like turn back the clock kind of performance where it was kind of older. It wasn't it wasn't as good as Pitt had been the past couple of years, and it wasn't as like electric as Cincinnati's been the past couple of years. So I'm curious about the brand that the Panthers bring to town. I, I, I've seen a, enough of Phil Jerkovic to know what's going to happen with Pitt and what's not going to happen. Okay, so you can do the preview podcast by yourself. Done and done. All right, cool. I'll take the day off. All right, well, that is how we conclude here. Agreement. Not seeing a blowout either way. But we're going to roll up our sleeves, dig in more into the Pitt West Virginia preview. Full game week media schedule today at the Pushcar Center. And then all the regular bells and whistles coming up on the website before you know it. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.